Good morning, church. Open your copy of God's Word first. Peter, our series Hope in the Dark that we've been in for quite a few weeks, and we are officially going to turn a corner from chapter one into chapter two. Turn your neighbor and say, praise God. All right, we're making progress. We're making progress here. And so as we, as we talk about the series Hope in the Dark, that we would assume that the majority of us here in this room are either coming out of a season of darkness, a season of struggle, a season of hopelessness, or we're in the thick of it, or we're about to enter into it. And so the question is, we need to ask, where does my hope come from? And my hope better come from the Lord. My hope better come from the rock that is solid when nothing else is. When I feel like it's stinking sand, that we would, can you turn me down? Thanks. That we would be in a place where we would recognize there is no consistent rock solid anchor for my soul than God and his word. When I don't know how long the trial is going to last, I don't know how long the darkness is going to remain, but there better be in my heart, a rock solid, consistent anchor. Otherwise I'm getting blown away. Otherwise I'm getting taken out. And so if you have ever gone through a season where you're like, I don't know how much longer I can hold on. I don't know if I can get through this. I don't know if I can make it. I hope that as followers of Jesus, that we would be sharing story after story of I've been there too. I know what it's like when the bottom drops out, but I also know who's there to catch me. And I know where my hope comes from. And it's not in my circumstances changing and getting better. And it's not in people. And it's horizontally all the places that I think are going to help me cope. I got to go vertical. My hope in the darkest of places is in my God, my Redeemer, my Rescuer. And so as we look at First Peter, we're going to be finishing up chapter one. And Peter takes us right through this place of how do we respond when we don't know what's next. What do we do when we don't know where to go or when the problem's going to be solved? And he has such practical help for us this morning. I mean, boots on the ground, Monday morning, what do I do? Peter's like this, and that's where we're going. We're going to be starting in verse 22 of chapter one. So today, the title of, of the message is Hope Transforms Me. Hope transforms, hope changes me. We've said this before, that God didn't save me to leave me. God saved me to change me, to transform me. Are you experiencing that? Are you experiencing I'm not the same that I used to be. If I was to go through the same trial, even years ago, my whole life would have fallen apart. But with God, my problems, they're the same, but my response is different. My heart is different. I'm being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And it's been said that if you really believe the gospel, if you really believe good news, it's not about what you say you believe, but that we show what we believe with our life. So what is your life showing, especially when you're pressed and you are the tea bag in the boiling water? What's coming out of you? Because it's already in you. Is it hope? Is it trust? Is it obedience? Well, let's see what Peter says when we are pursuing God, even when it's hard and we're hoping in him, we're being transformed. And if you're going to experience transformation, does anybody want that? Anybody want that? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, do you want that? 
just ask them, ask them and see, see if they're interested in that. Do you want transformation? Do you want to be transformed? Do you want to stay the same? I, I just love the old me, the old crusty me. I just love being stuck and trapped in the old ways of life. I just love it. Well, God's people have a different attitude, right? I'm not going to stay in the past. I'm not going to be stuck there. I want to be different. And we need to be transformed, not by our own doing, but by the work God is doing. What is, what is Peter saying? Verse 22, are you there? Say, say I'm there. You see it? Chapter one, verse 22, having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth. And what we could say, the truth there is the gospel. I obeyed the gospel. Jesus said, trust. And I said, okay, I, I trusted for a sincere uh, heart, brotherly love. You see, there, there is a love there. What's the result of the gospel? My love's change. My heart is changing. And what's the call? Because of the gospel, here's the call. Love one another when you feel like it. Is that what your translation says? Love one another casually, cautiously. Is that what your translation says? No matter what translation you have, it should say something along the lines of love one another earnestly, passionately, eagerly, with all of your heart, love one another because now you have a pure heart. Isn't that awesome? God doesn't say try harder to love people. You just gotta love people more. Just try a little harder. Just deal with it, okay? Yeah, just put up with them. He says, you've been given a new heart. Therefore, from that new pure heart, you can actually love purely. You can love in a new way because of the way that you have been loved. You've been changed. You've been changed by this love. That is so awesome. So if you're taking notes, I would jot this down. Love one another. I just love that. All right, point number one, it's just right there in the text, right? Don't even have to play with words. Love one another. Love one another. Love who? Love who? One another. Where does that start? The call of Peter is he's saying, church, look around. Why don't we do that right now? Just, just look around. Look around the room. For those of you that are like kind of up front, don't look now. There's people behind you, right? Right? They're judging your hair. They're judging your hair. Um, but after today, they're not going to because they're going to love earnestly, right? And in this room alone, we have opportunity to be able to earnestly love one another. And he's saying, start in the church. Start with loving one another. Love who? One another. In the church. Christians, love one another. Love how? Love in a certain way. Love earnestly from a pure heart. Pagans only love if they're loved. Pagans only love if they get something in return, right? Christians can uniquely love from a pure heart and in a way that is earnest because a transformation has taken place. We're the only people on the face of the planet that can actually truly love with pure motives. Isn't that incredible? And that, that's not something to be arrogant about. That's something to be actual humility going, why would I be loved so fully, completely? And why am I now having the ability to be free, to be liberated, to love people, no matter who they are, no matter how they treat me, no matter what their background, I'm free to love. And I, I hope you want more of that freedom. I, I want more and more freedom just to love people where they're at. Not when you change, when you meet me halfway, when you say you're sorry, I can love, I can love from a pure heart with earnestness. So let, let's look at this. What, what in the world does this mean? Well, we could say this, love is the mark. Love's the mark of my new life and the result. It's real. It's a real result of the truth. Not, well, the truth is, well, the truth is, if you believe the truth, 
you love more, not judge more, not criticize more, not beat others up more. The fact that you have the truth, it shows up that you have a new life and that life is marked by love. Your identity has been transformed from me, 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 me. I'm not, I'm not warming up to sing, right? Miss Charlotte, are you ready? No more, no more, no more me. But now instead of a me thing, it's a, it's a we thing. Instead of just, I'm looking out for number one, it's now I'm looking out for my brothers and sisters. Instead of just me having to protect myself, I'm saying God protects me, he guards me. So now I'm free to love people freely, earnestly. That's pretty awesome. Turn your name and say, that's awesome. Man, I take my private faith into community because my transformation is a community project. Do you believe that? No, I'm really trying to change. Yeah, I'm working on it, okay? I'm working on it. Well, how are you doing? Well, like in private, I'm trying to work on me. And, and I, you know what? 2023 is a year where I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking tired of just taking care of everybody else. I got to take care of me. I'm, I'm just working on the me project this year and I need to love myself more. Somebody lift up your voice and say, that's a bad idea. It's the message of the world. It's the message of Satan turning us inward instead of upward and, and outward. It's we, it's us together. I need you if I'm going to be changed. You need me if you're going to be changed. We need each other if there's going to be transformation. We can't do this in private. There is a community project called My Sanctification. In case I lost you, to sanctify, to make holy, to be set apart. Sanctification starts at justification. Everybody remember that? Little theology review, right? Just as if I never sinned, just as if I always obeyed. That's what happened at my salvation. I was justified, made right, not because of my works, but because of Jesus' works, not because of my efforts, but because of grace. And that started a process of sanctification. I am being changed. I'm looking more like Jesus and less like the old. I am now speaking with my dad's accent in heaven instead of my buddy's accent of cussing and crude joking. It's, it's gone. It's the old. There's something new happening. And that doesn't happen in private alone. That happens when I get people around me that care enough to help me that I would be transformed. And so this is so, this is so awesome. I love this word. Everybody ready? Most, most should know I'm kind of a, a word, a word geek. All right. So Webster, help me out. Help me out. Um, earnest. What are we talking about with this earnestness and er, earnestly? Well, in the Greek, it has this image of stretching a muscle to full capacity. I mean, earnest isn't just, well, I'll try kind of hard to love you and then tried that, did that, didn't work, no results. It's not talking about that. Well, so part of what, what happens when you become a Christian is you start working muscles you didn't have before of, of love. And for some of us, our, our little three pounder is like, man, nobody told me this whole like following Jesus thing was like, this is heavy. It's hard to love people. Are you using your full ability and full strength? Are you maximizing your capacity to love? And for some of us, we're like, I'm a three pound Christian, right? Like I'm maxed out at three pounds with my love. That's all I, it's all I got. And some of us, we just need to be repping threes, okay? And there's no judgment. There's no judgment. Doesn't matter if you're three years old or you're pushing a hundred, guess what? Some of us, you need to like pick up the three pound and like extend our muscles of love. It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. And then someday we're like, all right, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for a little bit more. Okay. All right. All right, God, you put them in my life and 
why do I have to work with this kind of boss love earnestly? I'm like, I'm maxed out every day at work. And for, for some of us, we're there right now of going, well, I am so not a three pound dumbbell kind of Christian. I'm, I'm working the, the 17 and a half. Well, how long have you been working that? Well, I mean, for a while, okay. If you're still at, at the max capacity that you were five years ago or 10 years ago, depending on how, you, how long you've been walking with Jesus, I wonder if like the, the day is coming where God's saying, it, it's time for the, the 25s, okay? And like, I'm gonna amp this up. I'm gonna put people in your life and maybe it's family situations where you're like, I, I'm at my wits end here. I don't know how much longer I can do this. The burn, the burn. Feel the burn of love maxed out to the fullest extent love. And you know what's awesome? God's raising up in our church some 35-pound Christians, right? For some of us, we're, we're talking like, I'm ready for leadership, but I don't know if I can handle it. Well, guess what? It's going to cost you something, right? There's going to be love. There's going to be love. I have a torn bicep, so I don't know how much I can do with 35. It's to the point of, I don't know if my muscle is going to be able to handle this. And God's saying, I'm going to stretch you as far as it takes for you to love just like me. And for some of us, we need to go from threes to 35s. And maybe over this next year or two, God's going to say, your sanctification, your transformation, it's going to hurt. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to have disciplines to be able to maximize and stretch your capacity beyond what you think is possible. Is anybody there right now? I don't know if it's possible for me to be any more patient. I'm already overwhelmed and just wait because God brings more circumstances and more people and says, love them like I love you. And you're going to feel the burn every day. And you're going to feel like quitting and giving up. And he says, keep going. You're using a muscle that needs to be worked. So don't hide. Don't run away. Don't withdraw and pull back. Press in and stay at the gym of training, earnest love. This is what we're going after. If you're going to experience transformation, this is it. This is it right here. I love people. I love God. I love people. And I'm willing to endure with them and do the heavy lifting. How about this? Number two, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Long for the word, he says. He doesn't just say love one another. He says there's, there's no way you can love one another unless you hunger for the word. If you're not hungering after God and his truth, you're not going to be growing in your love for people. Because what, what's the greatest command? I mean, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the, the exact same thing. It's one and the same. It's not a two-part. It's This is a package deal. Love your neighbor just like you already love yourself. We don't need to love ourselves more. We already do that just fine in the way that you already love yourself, love others sacrificially, because that's what it looks like to love God. Peter, Peter's like, unless you love the word, you're not going to love people. Do you long for the word? Do you want more of it? What's the imagery that Peter lays out for us? Are you ready? Here we go. Verse 23. Since you've been born again, <laughs> you have a brand new life, new birth. You've been born again. Not a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Or, every say four, he's going to quote Isaiah 40, verse 1. 
for all flesh is like grass and it, its glory is like the flower of grass. The, the grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord, it remains forever, right? He's saying temporary versus permanent here. This word is the good news. It's the gospel that was preached to you. The good news that you received, it lasts forever. This word that God is speaking, it's a word that will not fade away. It will not burn up. It will not die. Throughout human history, there has been a nonstop effort to try to destroy and undermine God's word. And guess what? It continues on. It continues on. It continues on. That's where we put our hope. That's where we long to know this word more. The more we hear the word, the more we read the word, the more we are actually spending time with our heavenly father, listening to him speak. And when he speaks, we're changed. We're transformed by this word. And because God's word makes possible this new life, what are we supposed to do about it? Well, if you're really born again, could could I say this? I don't know if this is controversial. We're, We're about to go there. Ready or not. If you don't love God's word, you're not a Christian. If you don't have a desire to hear God's voice, you don't know him as father. Can, can we lay it out that clearly? Everyone that's born of God loves God. Everyone that's born of him has been born again is like a new baby that longs for something new and not physical milk he talked about, right? It, it's, not, it's not that which perishes. We're not talking about you being born from your mom talking about you've been born again from the spirit. And the first cry is, I I need to know what he says. I need to know how to live. I, I need to survive. God, what have you told me to do? What pleases you? If you don't find hope in God's word, at least for us to ask, do I know him if I don't find my hope in him? If I find hope in everything else, if I run everywhere else, if I shop around horizontally again and again, do I have a vertical relationship? At least we have to, we have to ask, right? We have to ask the question. No new desires, no new heart. Because with a new heart comes new longings. And he describes it as a word that cannot fail and that we latch onto as eternal and we want it, we need it, and we want more of it. So if you're going to experience transformation, the word, it's the word, it's the word every day. It's the word in community. It's the word in private. It's, it's, it's audio word. It's visual word. It's having studies and sitting around alone with God, talking and listening to him and spending time with him and other believers. And so the new birth means new desires. And, and could I ask this? He says, love one another and ties it to the word. So here's the reality. Here's what we would know. If the word has gotten into us, if the real gospel, if the truth is in us and we trust in it, we are going to love people. We're going to love God and love people. If you don't love people, you don't love God. Because how can you not love the people you see and say, I love the God I don't see? It's possible, right? And so for some of us, we just got to admit, I'm an introvert. I'm not really a people person, but God's transforming me. He's changing me. He's giving me new desires. He's giving me his heart for people that I once thought were just interruptions to my day. They're just so annoying. 
and they're just so discouraging and it's so overwhelming. How do you think God feels? He's got millions of them. He's got a lot of kids. He's got bratty kids. He's got a lot of enemies. How, how do you deal with billions? And we got to deal with one at a time that we're overwhelmed by. God's giving us his heart, his perspective. And this is proof that I've been born again. How about this? Number three, jot this down. Leave the old. Leave it. Leave it. Turn to everyone and say, leave it. You got to leave it. You got to leave it. It's got to go. It's got to go. Verse one of chapter two, we made it across the chapter one finish line. Everybody say woohoo. Here you go. I know you're super excited. All right, here we go. Verse one. So put away, put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. You got to leave the old. I love this. I love this. So we got some imagery. I'm just going to casually walk. I wish we had like a garbage can just laying around. Oh, we do. And there is something that needs to happen in the life of every believer. And the reality is this. We walk around with dirty clothes our whole lives, dirty, stinking, fleshly clothes. <laughs> All right. And I need to take them off. They need to go. And Paul says in his letters time and time again, put off the old man, right? Take off the old clothes, the dirty, rotten, stinking clothes. Renew your mind. Change the way that you see things and, and the way that you think about things. And you got to put on brand new clothes. And so for some of us, we got to get really specific about what, what, what clothes need to go, but they fit so comfortably and I'm so used to them. And they're, they're like my comfy little PJs. They got to go. They got to go. They got to go in the trash and you got to take the trash out. It's got to go. What types of things, what types of things need to go? Well, let's check it out. Cause it's right here in the word. Peter doesn't tell us a full exhaustive list of everything that needs to go, but he says this, you got to put these things away because they're destroying your love. They're destroying community. You got to shed old habits. You got to shed them. Shed old habits, old patterns, old ways. Here we go. Number one, he says this. He says, all malice, all the malice has got has to go. And what, what in the world is malice? We would say harm. Like I, I want in my heart, I want someone to hurt. Can we put that up on the screen? I want somebody to, to hurt. I want somebody to pay. I want somebody to feel what I feel. Do you know what they did to me? They don't even know. They walked away and they act like everything is fine and they don't know how bad they hurt me. I want them to hurt like I hurt. What do we call that? Scripture will call it malice. It's malice. There is anger, irritation. There is bitterness. There's frustration. There's unforgiveness. And it shows up with an intent to hurt and to harm, to get even. Brandon this morning talking about we, we don't return evil for evil, but in all ways possible that we would do good. We wouldn't return evil, but we would long to, to do what's right, to do good to others. Even those people, even them, even that one, especially them. Malice has got to go. It's got to go in the trash, but it fits so nicely. It feels, it feels right to feel so angry about the wrong that they committed. It just feels right. And God says, if you love me, you will love them. And if you love them, you will obey the command and the call to put it all away. How about this? He also says, deceit's got to go. Some of the old clothes, the, the old outfits are marked by deceit. Here we, we could say pretend. 
there's an element of I, I be whoever I need to be at the time that best fits my needs. At work, I can be a chameleon there and be whoever I need to be. And when I walk in a church, then clearly I need to speak a certain way. I need to use a certain type of language and proper tone and attitude. I need to dress a certain way. I need to fit in. I need to be able. But then what happens when I walk out? And what happens if pastor hangs out at your house, listening to your phone calls in the other room, listening to you correct your kids, overhearing your marital discussions? What, what happens then? Is there, wait a minute, that, that's, that's not the person I know. Oh, that's because that's the real you at work and that's the real you at home. This is a phony. And who wants to be called a fake? Who wants to be called an imposter? Well, God, God calls it out and says, stop. It's got to go. The double life, it's, it's got to go in the trash. No more faking. No more pretending. No more deceit. No more saying one thing, meaning another. It's got to go in the trash. How about this hypocrisy? Hypocrisy. Two faced the way that you talk about people to their face versus when you walk away. The finger pointing that we do in others. I can't believe that you sin in that way. And then we leave and we sin in a different way, but we judge people for sinning in ways that we don't struggle with. Is that interesting? We judge people for sinning differently than we do. It's hypocrisy, right? I would never do that. Can you believe? Here, come closer. I need your ear. Did you hear? Did you hear that they did that? I, I'm appalled. And I wonder if we would just gently encourage and go, can we talk about the sins this past week in your life? Should I be equally appalled by you? Because it's easy to point out the flaws in others. It's easy to hide our own it's easy to do in private what we don't live in, in public and wouldn't want anybody to know. He's like, it's got to go. It's got to go. Stop being two-faced. Be one, one whole person transformed inside and out. How about this? He says, envy, envy. It's got to go. All of it. Envy has to go. Comparing myself to others. Compared to them, I'm doing pretty good. Compared to them, I need to change and conform I need to live up to and we're comparing and comparing and we want what they have and how come they have that I work harder and I, I've been following Jesus for how long and I'm like don't I deserve and how come how come they get that and what what's the deal what's the deal it's such a struggle for us to constantly be scanning the horizon of what others have and what we feel very entitled to and that they don't deserve it they don't deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve it. Envy. It's got to go. And how about this? Lastly, he says, all slander. Slander is an interesting one. Are we familiar with slander? Uh, it's kind of a cousin to gossip. Okay. But Peter says, slander's got to go. All of it. What is slander? It's an attack on a person. How does that show up? Could, could we be super, super clear? I mean, this, this might get personal. Okay. 
Anytime that you talk to an individual about somebody else and that person walks away with a slightly lower view of that person, you just slandered them. When you gather in church and say, my wife, my husband, in the eyes of those that are listening, their rating is dropping because you're a slanderer. And list after list of those that spend eternity in hell are not just murderers, but also slanderers is in that list. There is, there is something major about the words we say because we're killing people slowly with our words. Should I ever, ever, ever speak in such a way about Sarah that makes you think less of Sarah? Never. And if I do, you should... That's your wife. You don't, you don't talk to your wife like that. And hopefully I say, you're right. Will you please forgive me? That should never come out of my mouth. I should never be sarcastic and condescending towards my wife about my kids. I should never be attacking, even casually joking about those that I say I love the most. Could we extend that circle? How do we talk about church members when we leave here? Do we lower the perspective of others about somebody else sitting maybe in a row next to you because the words we say are chiseling away at the character and the integrity of another person? It makes me feel better and it makes me look good. I'm killing somebody else ever so slowly in the eyes of other people. And could we extend that? How much time do we spend as we talk about extended family and coworkers? If I love the lost and I love the nasty and the hard to get along with, the only way love is going to be cultivated is if I speak in a certain way about the people that I'm called to love. And if it's degrading and it's gossip, I'm attacking their character or the decisions that they're making that I would never do, I become more self-righteous and the opinion of others lowers in the eyes of those that I'm trying to help and care for. So for each one of us, we have to ask an honest question about each one of these. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. This isn't a guilt trip. This is a clothing change session where the wardrobe needs to go and new one needs to come. If I've truly been born again, if I'm a Christian, I need to change my clothes, right? It's got to change. Does that happen overnight? Everybody shake your, shake your head. Is that going to happen in this next week? Uh, no. Are you making progress of stripping down the nasty, stinking old clothes that Jesus saved you while you were wearing? And are you putting on righteousness? Are you putting on the goodness of the gospel? Transformation happens when we hope in God who changes us from the inside out and takes the trash. Got to go. How about this? Lastly, ever see land the plane? Here we go. Number four, live as a child. I love, I love what's happening here. We're talking about, we, we love the word because we love God and we love others. We are changing from all the, the malice and the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, the slander, and things like that that are killing community, killing relationships. They're killing my soul. And now I need to think about my new birth in this way. Verse two of chapter two, do you see it? Like newborn infants. That's when we talk about 
They're, they're a baby in Christ. They're an infant in Christ. Have you heard that before? We talk about that a little bit around here. If I've been born again, all of us, no matter age, we are infants. Here we go. Just like a newborn infant longing for the spiritual milk that by it, what happens when I drink of it, that I may grow up every single day. There we go. Grow up. I want to grow up into salvation, not for my salvation, but I want to grow up into the salvation that has been started. And I want to experience all of it, right? God's not done at the point of salvation. He's just getting started. And I start as a baby and I grow up. What do I need? What do I need? The imagery there is milk. Uh, do, do you know what is so interesting? I mean, this cry out for milk that we know the hunger, right? Cries of babies. Wouldn't it be weird? Could, could I ask you this? Wouldn't it be really weird if babies came out laughing? Right? It'd be a little strange, right? Because when babies come out of a nice, warm, cozy place that they've been chilling for a while, right? And they hit the cold air and they take the first breath. What are we looking forward to? What are we wanting to hear? The sound of crying. And it's the only time from that point forward that we will enjoy the cry, right? But it reminds us the, the cry for something, right? I want, I need. And inside every single believer is this, this baby crying out for, I need nourishment. I need something that is going to fill my belly, fill me up. I am miserable sitting on E. I need to be filled up. Spiritual milk is what the word of God is portrayed as so that I would grow up, that I would strive for maturity, strive for maturity. And maturity never moves past a longing for the word. It never moves beyond that. Oh yeah, when I was a brand new Christian, man, I was just like eating this up and I was in the word and the search and answers, right? I just spent time with a brand new Christian the past couple of weeks, last time I, I talked to them. Uh, I, I asked them, so how are you doing in your, you know, in your plan of, of going through the scriptures? And they said, oh man, I, I'm, I'm eating it up. This is unbelievable. Like the answers are all there. And I'm like, do you have any questions? And, and they said, no, I, at this point, I don't have any questions because on my own, I've just been Googling like every day, all throughout the day. What does the Bible say about? What does the Bible say about? What is it about? I need to have answers. I'm hungry. I need more and then somehow we go, well, I'm so past that. I've been sitting warm in a pew for a while. Got some answers inside the noggin. I'm good, good to go. And the reality is you never surpass your need for the word, this hunger that should be inside of you of, I, I'm past that stage of life, but that means I need more food, right? And I need more to chew on. And the milk here is such, such a beautiful picture. Verse three, what does it say? I love it. If indeed, if, in, if in fact, if it's true, is it true? Is it true? Somebody lift up your voice and just ask, is it true? Is it true that you have been born again? Is it true? If so, you have tasted that the Lord is good. And the proof is that you're hungering, you're thirsting, you want more. If, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So how do I grow up? Here, here's a few, okay? Here's a couple takeaways. We would say, if you are going to mature and you're going to grow, it's going to take a little bit more than just a, a verse of the day on the YouVersion app. It's gonna take a little bit more than 
maybe even uh, the daily bread. It's going to take me being in a group, maybe in a, a smaller group, and maybe that's one-on-one or a few people. Maybe that's Sunday morning in our equip. Everybody know we got breakfast at nine. We kick off right after that in our groups around the tables, but our small groups are our way of following the pattern of Jesus that we would be able to grow up. We'd be able to mature because we're not necessarily going to mature sitting in rows, staring at the backs of heads. We're going to mature being in circles with family members that love us enough to be able to ask us questions and speak into our lives, right? And so Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, we have different groups. Uh, Sunday night over the summer, there's going to be multiple groups, small groups. We have reading plans available in the lobby. We have a number of reading plans. One of them is just five minutes a day, five days a week, not even all seven, that you're able to either go just through the New Testament in a year and slowly take your time looking at just the New Testament. For some of us, we're super hardcore, right? We're going from milk to a a little bit of uh, carne asada, maybe. We we need we need just a little bit mass, right? So we're we're doing some Old Testament and some more Old Testament, and then some New Testament. But we have a plan every day of not la, 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 lucky dipping. All right, what's my verse of the day? Uh, don't try that at home, okay? It's just not helpful, right? God speak to me. Hamana, hamana, hamana. What's my lucky verse? Bad idea. Turn your ear and say that's a bad idea. What we want to do is we want to be intentional. And for some of us, we need help in that. Somebody needs to take our hand and go, here, let's start here and let's try this. For others, like, hey, I'm trying this devotional and it's got some chapters to read with it in scripture. And I'm using that to supplement maybe some other things I'm doing. You need to figure out what season are you in that you're ready to take the next step of devouring God's word and not just the reading plan, but I need to memorize God's word. I would, I would suggest highly that we, we have bookmarks available just one or two verses a week. We call them fighter verses because if we're going to fight this battle, the spiritual battle that's going on, Peter talked about it a couple of weeks ago, right? We're in a war. We have a wartime mentality. And that means we are going to get God's word in our heart. What did the psalmist say? Uh, that I, I have hid God's word in my heart that I would not sin against him. So what's the opposite of that? I, I chose not to memorize God's word because I'm bad at it so that I would instead choose to sin all week long and love it. I hope that's, I hope that's none of our, what? No, what, what did he say? If we, if we don't hide God's word, we are planning to sin. If we have God's word put in, we have a plan that we're going to fight and we're going to resist, right? There's a correlation. And lastly, I would say this, can we get, can we get real, real specific? God's doing a work among our body that we are training up the next generation of those that are going to care for souls more intentionally, more purposefully. And so we're, we are creating opportunities to do intensive training. We have plans in the near future to be able to do bite-sized pieces of helping people see how do I take God's word and apply it specifically to my marriage, to my prodigal child, to the struggles that I have with anxiety and depression. What does God's word say about how do I walk with somebody that's suicidal? How do I help the parent that's struggling with the child that is going through a series of bullying to cutting? How do I help somebody? And hopefully you don't go, well, I don't know, get a social worker or something. I, I don't know, find somebody. The church is the place that we receive soul care and that we're able to offer it. And as you grow up, you go from needing very specific help so you can get unstuck in different places, bad habits, different addictions that we break free 
but it's so that then we can come alongside somebody else and walk with them and show them from God's word. It's enough. It's sufficient. It has answers, right, to every, every struggle. So we're on the receiving end, and we are wanting to grow up to be on the giving end of that. And so if you're, if you're interested in that, you can even talk to uh, Tina, you can talk to Galen, you can talk to myself. Uh, as, as we think about our men's ministry and women's ministry moving forward, that we would talk about having opportunities for our men to go through a group that just helps walk through scriptures and our everyday struggles and battles, our ladies to be able to walk through. And maybe it's a smaller group. Maybe it's just two or three. We would say we want to grow up. And for some of us, we've been infants for years and years and years because we're stuck, right? We've stalled out and we got to get specific about where does where in God's word are there answers to get you dislodged from being trapped and ensnared in that kind of addiction and habit? The, the areas where you go, I'm not going to quit. I'm not willing to. I won't do it. I know I'm destroying myself and my family and those that I love. You would say God's word has answers. We, we can help. If there's marital strife, you say God's word has answers. And we want to be able to walk with each other through it because many of us, we've been there and some of us are on the other side of it. Others were trapped and we need somebody to come alongside to help. And so how are we going to grow? We're going to do it together. We're going to do it. We're alone in private with God that we are in the word, in prayer, memorizing scripture and where we're stuck. I want to, I want to get free. I want to get free and that we would be able to help everyone, no matter where we're at, to grow up from being an infant all the way to becoming a parent that is now helping a whole generation experience the transforming power of the gospel.